91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And welcome into the scoreboard here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the Weagle Studios Live. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman after a eventful week in the Auburn basketball world and the buzz, the palpable buzz around campus. It has been a crazy uh, past seven days, Jacob, but it's been a good week. It This last seven days have felt like a month to me. It's been a, it feels like the last time we talked, that there's been so much that's happened. We can't even talk about it all. I mean, whether it's college basketball, the NFL, or whatever, there's been so much that's happened. But, hey, I'm happy to turn on the scoreboard today and get this thing on the road. The scoreboard is back at 4 p.m. in our normal slot on Thursday afternoons. I had to tell my dad that last week. He said he tuned in in his office at 2 p.m., and he was like, I just heard music, so I t- uh, turned y'all off. <laughs> um, so, yes, we are back at our 4 o'clock slot. Thank you for tuning in, Dad, as always. Um, but we are not going to waste any more time. We'll get right into it. On the scoreboard, Weagle 91.1 FM. For the first time ever, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be selfish and let Go, the thunder do it. roar. Do it. Your number one Auburn Tigers in men's college basketball on the Plains. It's beautiful to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm, beautiful to hear. Yeah. I mean, I can't even describe, like, when it finally – we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. We thought it was going to happen last week, and then obviously – some voters decided not to vote Auburn high enough. But when it actually happened, when it got posted and you see Jabari Smith as the headliner, the Sports Illustrated cover from Auburn men's basketball account, I mean, that... The tribute to Chris Porter and the 99 team. That is what it's all about, just yeah. making history like that. and it, 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 It's really cool just to be a part of that and really be able to see this team grow the way they have and they're still growing we'll get into some of those growing pains uh in the next segment from tuesday night but it was just awesome to see number one to see all the support that happened this weekend and everything that came with it and it's not the end goal obviously bruce has said it the program uh everybody within it has said that it's number one in april meaning wanting to win the tournament we have much bigger goals ahead um but to your point the first time in school history and just just the historic season that we've seen unfold in front of our own eyes. We knew this team was going to be good. I mean, number one good, like, come on. If you'd have told me that back in November, it's like you're a little crazy. Especially at this point in the season, I yeah. felt like this would be kind of the spot that the team might not be playing its best. But in reality, other than Tuesday, it's playing freaking good. It was a tough stretch to start SEC play. You think about it, LSU, Florida, who's still a good team, Alabama, Alabama. Kentucky. Yeah, so, I mean. At Ole Miss, where – Bruce really has struggled, struggled against Kermit yeah. Davis. And South Carolina, where Bruce has struggled previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely agree with that. But nonetheless, like you said, Auburn is number one, heading towards the end of January, jumping in Zaga last week. Um, and just we'll talk about what led up to it. Last week, obviously, we talked about the Ole Miss game here on the scoreboard and everything. Let's go ahead and get into it. Number two, Auburn versus n- number 12, Kentucky, last week in the jungle on the Plains. This was the biggest game. We mentioned it on the scoreboard last Thursday the biggest game in Auburn Arena history, and it definitely lived up to the hype, especially in the second half. It delivered like crazy. Auburn started off somewhat slow. They got a lead 7-6, to six, and then Kentucky went on a run, went up by double digits, and at Auburn, it didn't waver. Came back within four at halftime, and as you said, that second half was rocking in the jungle, and, and, and really it was just 
great team play. Walker Kessler had seven dunks. That's awesome. And then, obviously, Devin Cambridge had that big dunk to really just blow the top off the place. And I just think that everyone contributed in that game. Everyone had their moments. Wendell Green had back-to-back threes. Cambridge had the big dunk. Walker Kessler had all those dunks. Jabari Smith was knocking down mid-ranges left and right. And really, it's just hard to say someone didn't deliver. I mean, Katie, I didn't mention anything specifically for Katie Johnson, but Katie Johnson is all over the floor. So I I really find it hard to pick an area that wasn't great for Auburn in that game. I think everything was great. And other, you know, there's some some pieces that were missing in the first half, but in the second half, they picked it up. Yeah, and really going into the game, we knew and said the matchups that we were going to be looking for was going to be Shibway and Kessler on the inside, which lived up to the hype. Both players played a phenomenal game, uh, respectively. And then seeing the guard play, and we really didn't get to see the guard play as much due to Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Ty Ty Washington Jr. went down nine minutes into the game, or he only played nine minutes worth of game time, only scored four points, went down with a lower body injury and did not return. Um, but we saw that fight picked up by Samir Wheeler, uh, or Severe Wheeler, former Georgia Bulldog. He scored 17 and also added four assists. He had a good game for the Wildcats as well. So, And I think the biggest difference, too, when you also when you look at the box score, is just the fact that Auburn's bench contributed way more than Kentucky's you know, bench did at all in the game. And really, that's been a consistent thing for Auburn so far this season with Wendell Green coming off the bench. And then really, pick your poison on who's going to come up big for the Tigers. It's whether it's Dylan Carwell. He didn't necessarily in the Kentucky game. Neither did Devin Cambridge other than that dunk. But Jalen Williams has had some great games. He only had seven points against Kentucky. But he's had some double digits. Uh, games that are really quiet and no one really talks about. Wendell Green had 11 points. All came in the second half. Zero points at the first half when Auburn yeah. led or trailed by four. And then he drops 11 in the second half and Auburn wins by nine. That has to be the difference is Wendell Green in that game. Yeah, it does. And, you know, going back to the contributions of Cardwell, we and we'll get into this in the next segment, but it even though he has not been playing to the par that we are used to seeing him play coming off the bench, um, he played very valuable minutes battling inside with Sheboy and with Ware and Hopkins down low, um, especially giving Walker that rest because Walker was playing, again, another phenomenal game down low in the post. Um, But him coming in and playing those minutes, getting that experience was huge because I think a lot of people forget, and I I forgot who tweeted this out, um, but he's third in the SEC in blocks right now, which is Kessler. No, uh, Cardwell. Cardwell. Yes. Which is very, yeah. which is very hard to even comprehend. Well, yeah, I was gonna say I think Kessler's first. Yeah, <laughs> so you're right. completely, yes. right? He has. I think Kessler has more blocks than 85 percent of Division One teams. Yes, that's a crazy stat that was out there. I think he's on. He's on track to break the Auburn all-time block record. Which, yeah, unsurprising. Easily. So. As long as he keeps it up and doesn't get in foul trouble too many times the rest of the year, like he did against Alabama and. I mean, that, you know, that's back on the Cardwell train. You know, he hasn't played well the last two games, but you look at the Alabama game, you look at the Georgia game, where he came in and he played crucial minutes he did. for Walker Kessler. That's such an important aspect, even if he doesn't play well against Kentucky and Missouri, because Walker Kessler played well against those two teams. Right. You didn't need Cardwell off the bench. And that's right. what you see every night is someone different stepping up for Auburn. Right, and another point that I'd like to make about the Kentucky game We've talked all season long, I mean, even after the first few games of the year when it took him a little bit to get his feet wet, just Jabari Smith playing like a downright pro. I mean, he came up with big shots late down the stretch, made a huge pass to Kessler for a uh, dump down low. I mean, it was just time after time again, a hesitation from the free throw line after getting hit in the head. Pull up on the wing, making it look smooth and just second nature. 
Um, I think that was the biggest thing for me was a lot of people wondering if he'd step up on the national stage once again in the biggest game in Auburn Arena history, and the kid without a doubt did that. And I, I've got a lot more to add about Jabari in the next segment when we talk about the Missouri game because mm-hmm. the thing is, he is going to make an impact no matter what. Right. Whether he's scoring, passing, defensively, or just bringing energy. He, you know, he's underrated on the energy part because he's got Katie Johnson and Dylan Carpenter on the same team right. as him. But he is very much feeds off the crowd, and he lets, he lets the jungle know that he wants noise. And, you know, you remember that point in the game. I think it was when it was 17-7, and Jabari made a layup, or he, he knocked down a two-pointer. But he, he calmed, calmed he, everybody he down. Calmed everyone, yeah. Calm down. We got yeah. this. That's a leader. He's 18 years old, yeah. and he's leading like that. Yeah. I mean, that's just something you don't see. It's different. That's why he's being praised as a number one overall pick over guys like Shet Holgram and, and Paulo. You don't see that from those guys like you do from Jabari Smith. No, absolutely. He plays with such a poise and a maturity about him, and credit that might be due to his dad, who does have that collegiate SEC and NBA experience. Um, But the kid just doesn't flinch. I mean, he was all over the floor when you look at his stat line. 14 points, 7 total rebounds, 2 assists, added a steal, and had 2 blocks, one of them on Shibway, Mm -hmm. down low, like just straight up man-to-man in the post and just just denied him at the rim. Um, I mean... It's without a doubt, in my mind, the number one overall pick playing well against guys that are also going to go first round like Sheboy. Yeah, I mean, Sheboy, it's funny I said it to you. It's like, man, I'm, I'm taking Jabari number one, but Sheboy is my number two guy, yeah. even over Paulo and Shet. Like, it, it's just hard to see how guys like that are going to fall in the draft when they put up performances like that. Especially out of the top ten. Like, I mean, that's without a doubt a top ten. And also 10 that pick. game, I mean, that game was as hyped up. It had 2.7 million viewers, or it was 2.48, and number one in the uh, the nation so far this year was that Duke-Gonzaga game. It was like 2.7 million. Yeah. There were eyeballs on that basketball game, unlike any other game that Auburn has played this season, and unlike any game until the tournament time that we'll have uh, on Auburn. Yeah. So it's a big it's a big deal that Auburn performed well on that stage. It was for sure a big deal, and the students knew that too. You, We alluded to it earlier was whatever you want to call it, whether it's Pearlville, Jungle City, like Bruce likes to call it, there's an unofficial name. Maybe Jungle Village. Who Maybe knows? Jungle Village. We, we got some guys working on that apparently. But whatever you want to call it, you knew the students knew that that was a huge game. You had students showing up well over 24 hours before tip-off, setting up tents. Like We heard rumors across campus, and I mean – we know a few people within the jungle that might have heard of those rumors too, but to be completely honest, in the four years that we've been here, we've had big big games that people could have done that, and that's never happened. No. We- and it was just such a like instant thing that just happened. It was like, oh, there's tents at, at the jungle, and I'm sure students thought, well, we quick, we gotta we better get, get there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the wreck sold out of of tent the rentals. Yeah. Yeah. That that was an amazing post I saw by Auburn Campus Wreck was just the the empty lockers that the tents used to reside in, and they said, "Well, y'all, y'all cleared us out." And I, I, I really just love to see that from the student body yeah. because someone said, "Screw it, I don't care. I'm setting my tent up, and I want." And whoever that person was, I want to know because they started it just an absolute party, yeah, for 24 plus hours, yeah, and in, in the freezing weather. I mean, it was below freezing. It was cold. Yeah, and we like I went out there later that night, about ten to eleven o'clock, to drop a care package off to some friends and just just see what it was about. And man, 
the atmosphere was something that I've never seen before in my life. No, absolutely. I mean, we've been in plenty of those lines. Trust yeah. me. We've we've paid our dues being in that cold line. The lines that we were a part of was nothing like that. No. And, and, and really, and I hope that it improves because obviously we've heard the negative feedback about it, and we, we're trying to figure out how to do it better. And I just don't think we were ready for the no, amount of people out not there. Not at all. So it'll be better from now on, and I think it'll turn into something extremely positive for the program the team without a doubt definitely appreciated that i mean they were out there late at night dropping off pizzas different teams and businesses and organizations around the city and even just auburn fans with through venmo contributing and donating towards the students whether it's food hand warmers water water stuff like that and then the morning after the women's team coming out there again more businesses and people dropping off donuts pizzas in the morning and you didn't you could not tell with that energy with in the jungle when the game started no you could tell with the smell but you could not tell with the noise i was yeah i was telling everyone it was the loudest and stinkiest jungle i've ever experienced (laughs) but man i i just love it because like you said you couldn't tell they'd been up for 24 hours because they'd been up for 24 hours there was not much sleep to be maybe a couple hours i mean maybe yeah i think i was talking to harrison tari's part of the eagle eye and weagle as well and he was out there and he said yeah i fell asleep for about 45 minutes if you want to call it sleep and he was he was awoken by uh, a stampede, is what he described it as. And really, it's just something that it's just crazy because, like you said, the energy was still up there when we went in there. Bruce gave gave an awesome speech. Right. Before doors opened 30 minutes early. And between that time and when doors were supposed to open, he was out there hyping up the crowd and doing his thing. Yeah. Because that's what Bruce is all about. And also, I think you saw the energy, uh, you felt it fade at halftime. Everyone, they went crazy for the first half and then realized, holy cow, we're tired. But then the team came out hot in the second half, tied the game, energy sparked up, and then Devin Cambridge. I remember you looking at me like right before the second half got underway, and we both expressed our concerns of maybe the energy level will not be at the same it was in the first half. And I was like, you might be right. And then in the second half, I mean, I looked at you at one point and said, I don't think it's We're good. We're fine. No concern there. But I, I will want to comment on the Devin Cambridge thing. Devin had two points. The one dunk in the game, which sometimes that's all Devin's good for. Maybe some offensive rebounds every now and then. Yeah, we'll get into that next segment. <laughs> but the sequence of the steal, the the outlet, the pass, and even though it wasn't a smooth dunk, just the dunk, I told Jacob, that is the loudest moment I've ever been a part of in Auburn Arena. Well, at that point, did you, did you think there was any chance Auburn lost? No. Zero. And I think 100% of the people in attendance – Thought the exact same thing. Auburn right? lost some momentum early. They were mm-hmm. down. They were down by double digits. Once they tied it up and then got the lead back, with the energy in the building after that moment, I'm not gonna lie. They're the only moment in my mind that I can think of that might be as loud as that is when Bryce Brown catches fire against Kentucky yeah. freshman year in the game that Auburn loses. Yeah, and I was thinking like when Harper hit the three in that exact game. That game, You're was, right? That game almost. Ma- if Auburn had won that game, I think it would have been close to matching Saturday. But Saturday was unmatched. And I mean, this year, like, LSU, Florida, I'll even say Georgia, and then obviously previous years, like LSU, our sophomore year, Alabama, freshman and sophomore year, those games were, without a doubt, super loud. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky in 2019 is the only game I would even stack against 2022 against right. Kentucky. Yeah, and and I'll, and I'll say the LSU game in 2020 was close, but that was just big dunks from Okoro, threes raining from Samir. Saturday still beat it. Saturday still beat it, and I think this upcoming Saturday might be kind of loud. The first time a number one Auburn basketball team takes the floor in Auburn Arena, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. A result of Saturday was the number one seed, 
and Auburn travel to Missouri Tuesday night to Woo. defend that number one uh, title for the first time. Jacob and I will get into that on the other side of this break on the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we do every single week on Thursdays at 4 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in, whether that's on on the radio waves, driving through Lee County, or on WEGLFM.com, or if you're listening after the fact on your podcasting platform. Let's get into Tuesday night as Auburn looked to play its first game as the number one overall team in the country, and it was scary. It was a scary one. The Tigers were tied with the Missouri Tigers at 31 at halftime. I mean, I think they trailed by as much as 10 at one point. Yeah, it was double digits. And Auburn fought back. It was not pretty. I mean, 55-54, you know it's not a pretty game, especially in the second half. 24-23 to was the scoring output from both teams. And, man, oh, man, it was ugly. To be honest, another one of those contests where I truly do not know, like, just where to begin. Is it the fact that Missouri just felt like they couldn't miss anything at all in the first half, especially in the first 10 minutes? The fact that you just felt like Auburn had a rim or a uh, lid on their rim or is it just the complete breakdown of bat? Like in the second half, like half the time you didn't feel like you were watching basketball. You <laughs> were just watching a high school JV team out there just, just open practice. Yeah, open practice. Yeah, so Go for it. Uh, for me, obviously, a a win is a win, especially in SEC play. You're two games up on Kentucky for that number one seed in the SEC. So a get the win, no matter how it's done. B the biggest thing coming out of, coming out of this game for me is just the fight and the will of Katie Johnson. Auburn does not win that game if our little psychopath does not just get <laughs> our psychopath. Yeah. Ours. Get, uh, what's uh, the Tasmanian devil? Yeah, the Tasmanian. <laughs> if he doesn't get into his little hurricane mode and just go off, I'm, I'm not going to imitate Bruce the way he imitated KD because the I'm, terminology. I, I just embarrass myself yeah. doing the KD Johnson thing. But no, KD Johnson is is he the most important player on this Auburn team? Because I really think it's between him and Wendell. I think that Walker and Jabari are the best players, but I think valuable, val- yeah, most valuable players. And then you look at Wendell and KD. I mentioned it in the Kentucky recap how Wendell scores zero points in the first half. Auburn's losing by four. He scores eleven in the second half. Auburn wins by nine. Yeah, that's I, just where I see it. And but I, then you go to Tuesday yeah. without KD Johnson, you don't win that game. It's very neck and neck. In response to your question, like you said, the best players, without a doubt, is in order Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, and then either, I'd say either Katie or Allen yeah. or even Wendell, those three. But most valuable without them at times, Auburn doesn't win over half the games they've won. Auburn doesn't have a chance to beat UConn. No. In, in the fashion that they lost if Katie Johnson's not an Auburn <laughs> yeah. Tiger. That's when we learned what kind of person Katie was. Like, and it was just maniac. This guy, is this guy okay. <laughs> Hey, like I said, he's our psychopath. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. He's our Tasmanian devil. But, again, the thing for me, he dropped 17 points, has three steals. I mean, the tenacious defense of KD just, again, rising to the occasion. Walker has a, having another big game with a double-double. 13 points. I mean, 12 rebounds. And then, of course, everybody's going to want to talk about the fact that Jabari Smith, <laughs> only scoring five points, shooting two of 15 from the field, only one of seven from three-point land. But you mentioned it in the first segment, just how important he is to be on the floor. He had double-digit rebounds. Exactly. Auburn doesn't win the game without that many rebounds. Yeah, and he also 
he does so much other than scoring. He yeah. dishes the ball. He plays defense really well. He he had two blocks. He only had one assist. But because of the focus on him, he didn't take bad shots. He, the shots he took were fine. He just couldn't make it. Yeah, it, it was just one of those nights. And he even, make them. even future pros have those nights. Of course, of course. And I really think that the thing is, Missouri focused on him so much. It they opened did. up for everyone else. Because you look at it, no one had a ton of points other than KD with 17. Walker had double digits with 13. But you get two points from Dylan, three from Jalen, four from Devin, six from Wendell. To from out, it's just so on and so on. Right, you're getting points from everywhere, and that's because Smith's they're so getting much those rebounds. On him. He's right. grabbing the rebounds. Speaking of rebounds, we'll get into that. Devin yeah. Cambridge, holy cow! Yeah, it's just it's unreal to me that you can have Jabari Smith go two for fifteen from the field, and Auburn still win that game. Absolutely on the road. I, yeah, and the environment that that was. If you watch the game, you know we're talking about. We talked about it during the break here off the air, but again, I said it is the fact that great teams win. Great teams find a way to find win. Find a way, yeah. Um, in, in games like that, and we've talked about this at least a handful of times since November when the season got kicked off, there's going to be nights where the best team, best players on Auburn's team don't step up, and it's going to be got other guys' nights to step up. It just so happened to be Jabari Smith's night. I forgot what the streak was of him scoring in double digits. Of course, it came to an end, but that just shows it was not his night. Again, Alan Flanagan, not his night. Two points. I think he had four turnovers total. Yeah, four. Yeah, he did. Um, but Allen also contributed with a few rebounds. So, I mean, it's just the fact that they're out there fighting. They're out there trying to play together and out there with a willingness to win. And speaking of guys with a willingness to win, Devin Cambridge. I mean, nine offensive rebounds and zero defensive rebounds? Yeah. That's crazy. I think only three people in Auburn history have done that. Yeah, and, and what's unfortunate, it only resulted in seven second-chance points. Yeah. That that can't happen. I think I think you gotta reward him somehow. Three of those were his own. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, he also missed two front ends of one and ones, and you know that. And that that's something that you build on. Bruce talked about it post game because I listened to the very end of the game on the radio with Andy Bertram and Paul Ellen on the Auburn Sports Network. And when the post game came on, it was Bruce talking about, yeah, you know, I'm real proud of Devin for the effort he showed. But he's got to make those two free throws. Yeah, and that almost mattered a lot. Of course, KD did his thing by making the and one free throw that made all the difference in the world but it's still just kind of all right this was another, still just a bad game that's what it was and and the point about the free throws was they were truly hard to come by the way the game was being called like, we've had a few games like this this year was they were really letting the guys play not really getting ticky tacky letting them tough it out with a tough Missouri team and when you get those free throw chances aka Devin Cambridge You've got to make those, mm-hmm. especially when you're finding points tough to come by on the road. They're called free for a reason. Well, yeah, and it's a good thing that someone like Katie Johnson, who struggled from the free throw line this year, was able to step up in a crucial moment and make that. Because as I said, that was the difference in the world. Otherwise, if he doesn't make that, we go to overtime. And who knows what happens at overtime in front of a raucous crowd. Katie so. and Walker, honestly, to to really kind of segue out of this out of this topic is – those two guys, Katie and Walker, are really the only bright spots. We'll talk. I mean, talk about what Walker did on that last possession. Yeah, Walker really being the the presence on the inside that he is. Um, obviously, there was a scram for the ball. He got a hand up there. There was a few seconds left on the clock, causing there to be a, not a ruckus, but a scrap for the Scramble, ball. Yeah, yeah, and that causing the clock to go down. And I just remember listening uh, to Dave Neal and Damian Fishback on SEC Network, and they were calling the game from home, which sucks, aka. But um, the ball goes out of bounds as time's expiring, and they're just their reaction was mine. It was 
no, the clock's out. Like, mm-hmm. Auburn wins. Like, yeah. that just took, like, literally five or six seconds off the clock. Yeah, even, like, even Andy was like, okay, well, clock's run out. The ball was not out. I guess the game's over. It Auburn was, yeah, wins. Yeah, it was going to be Auburn's ball anyways. Mm-hmm. But but point being, Walker on the inside trying to get that rebound. Of course, it got tipped away from him. But just that fight for the ball from Auburn at the end, taking that time off the clock. And then, of course, two clutch buckets by KD. One of them could have been an offensive foul. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Got away with one there. But then the fight underneath the basket to get another that was huge for Auburn, too. Looking from the other side, why would Missouri not foul? I don't know. Five seconds? I mean, I get that technically that's going to – if you get a stop, that gives you a shot. And they had two timeouts, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I still – I still if there's less than, like, six seconds, I like fouling. Well, and here's the thing. A, I'm with you. But B, I'm not going to question Quanzo Martin no. and his coaching ability after that game. I know he's his record doesn't reflect it, but that is a – very smart basketball man right there. Yeah, and look and look what Missouri did to Alabama a few weeks ago. The way <laughs> they almost won that beat game, him in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it, it's just it, it, it's something that I think Missouri's kind of turning the corner in in a way. They haven't been very good lately. I think last year they had a point where they they looked good, but they other than that, it's just it's been down for Missouri, and we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, they showed up for the, the number one team in the nation. Yeah. Arriving to their house. That that watered-down program really might be, like you said, flipping or turning the corner. And I think they said some comment to your point about the number one team on the broadcast was like four number one teams have played there. I don't know how recently, but like I, the the program itself is not shy mm-hmm. of playing number one teams. Yeah. So. And it's probably a lot of them have probably been non-conference. Well, Auburn has to play its second Big 12 opponent this uh, week, too. Goodness gracious. I just like saying that. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's it true. is. Yeah. Because we're going to change SEC at them whenever the, the game ends after Auburn's won, and it's going to be weird because, ah, we're, we've, you just, we're no, past you this. Just, no, we're you past just, this. You just know I'm, I'm superstitious. I, I just, know. I don't do that for you. I know. It's, I just, it's, the, it's, the, it's the peacock. I know. It's the peacock. We're going to win the rest <laughs> of the way. Auburn's not losing another game this season. and There's like a 4% chance of winning out the regular season. I mean, yeah, pretty high. <laughs> pretty high for, for basketball. So yeah. I'm okay with that. But no, I yeah. Looking ahead to Oklahoma, it's a big game. I mean, the crowd's going to be crazy for welcoming in the number one team of the country for the first time ever. And Oklahoma is a team that you look at their record, ooh, yikes! But you look at who they played at the beginning of Big Twelve play, and it's a lot of good teams. And they've hung around with some of them. I think they have one big blowout loss, but other than that, they've hung tight with Baylor. They've hung tight with Kansas and other teams like that. Iowa State that. Really shows you can't let your guard down and look ahead to Alabama on Saturday. They've lost four out of their last five, but like you said, three of those are ranked opponents, two of them being in the top ten, nearly beating Kansas, only lose, lost by three, playing Baylor hard as well, and then losing to Texas, who was also ranked. But then coming off of a West Virginia win last night, 72-62 to 62 on the road, um, this is not a game that Auburn should overlook. I think a lot of people might initially treat this game in 2020, Auburn played Iowa State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I forgot if there was a big game after that, but it, the mantra was really like a lot of people were looking ahead besides Tyrese Halliburton playing in that game. This is not a game where you can do that being the Auburn Tigers. No, and, you know, also, you got to now, you don't need to be looking ahead to an Alabama team that's kind of spiraling. There's yeah. no, I mean, there you really shouldn't because... One game at a time. Yeah, exactly, and... and, and and I really don't think that they will. And looking back to the Iowa State game, it was the next Saturday was the college game day Kentucky okay, game. Yeah. And they traveled to Oxford against Ole Miss uh, that Tuesday where they won in, in double overtime. Ugh. So, yeah. 
Ho- hopefully, hopefully Auburn can handle business on Saturday, and then the hype starts. I think a lot of people will will look for two things. Well, one, the hype around being the number one team playing at home for the first time ever. Two, how do some of those guys that really did not play well mm-hmm. Tuesday night respond, like Jabari Smith, like Alan Flanagan, like the guys coming off the bench? I think the big thing for Jabari is he hasn't shot the three well the last few games. Which we're not used to. No, he's been a great three-point shooter for half the year. And then just the last few games, he slumped. Let's see if he can break that slump and just tear it up in the month of February. Yeah, and, and knowing him, his work ethic, how he carries himself and his maturity in the game, he, I don't think that'll be a factor. You see him. KD Johnson after the Kentucky game putting up shots? Yeah. I mean, this seems different. They're built different. One game at a time. We want to look ahead to Tuesday, but again, play, can't overlook Oklahoma. Take, take it one time at a time. Auburn men's basketball ranked number one for the first time in program history. Host Oklahoma for the Big 12 SEC Challenge on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Welcome to the jungle. We'll be back on the other side of this break on the scoreboard. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. We're back here on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you are streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the program. If you missed the first half of today's show, you can go back and listen to it wherever you may find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Transistor, wherever it may be, we will be there. If you want to call into the show, you can call into the studio live at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle, the last four digits. Done with the number one Auburn men's basketball team segments for today. Could, couldn't talk enough about them. We could do a two-hour-long podcast about the last <laughs> week alone, but we won't. We are going to go ahead and get into the NFL playoffs. Sadly, we might just skip over one of these I would games. I say, do you, do you want? I mean, if you want to just go ahead and let it all out, get you it can. out of the way. I mean, I would say just deep breath. Go. <sighs> we sucked. <laughs> yeah, that's my analysis. Yeah, we I sucked. mean, that was tough. We that was uh, tough to watch. San Francisco traveling to the frozen tundra of Green Bay and winning the game without scoring a single offensive touchdown. Our special team sucks. We just lost our offensive coordinator. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are gone. Just This is the true first signs of a dumpster fire beginning. It's scary because I like LaFleur. I do too. Other than the, the whole Bucks fiasco in the previous NFC Championship, I, I have agreed with everything he's done. I've loved the way he's put this, pro, uh, this uh, franchise in the direction. And now it might all fall apart. Yeah, I mean... I mean, yikes. You don't know where to begin. Is it the special teams drama that's gone on this entire year that's been a huge Achilles heel for us? Is it the fact that the last two years we've, we were the number one team in the playoffs this year? You don't get past the divisional round. You lose last year at home in the NFC Championship at a game that you probably should have won. It's a lot of stuff culminating into what is possibly going to be a dumpster fire up in Green Bay, which will be super hard to come out of especially considering the city that it is. Well, and, you, and yeah, and you look at those scenarios where, you know, today you see Ben Roethlisberger retire. Now the question everyone's asking is, one, Tom Brady. Two, we'll get into him. But two, is Aaron Rodgers, what is he going to do? Yeah. Is he going to go to another team? Is he going to retire? I think anything's on the table with him because you never know with Aaron Rodgers what he might do because he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to play just to play. Yeah. he He's... He settled down. He he, money's no issue with him. Yeah, and retirement's still definitely an option. He said his three options are, in no particular order: retirement, returning to Green Bay, 
or requesting a trade. And yeah. he said Devontae Adams is actually a huge piece of that, which why wow. wouldn't he be? Yeah. So I remember before the season started, um, they both put on their Instagram stories the picture of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. It said, last ride. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to get into it. I mean, we deserve. We should have won that game with as badly as the offensive offense was on both sides of the field. Let's put a positive spin on it and say, hey, this is the first time in NFL history that all four playoff games ended on the last play of the game. Obviously, every game ends on the last play of the game, but the last play of the game was, was the deciding, deciding factor, play. Yeah. I mean, what a freaking weekend. Well, we will go ahead and get to the other game last Saturday, being the America's team possibly at this point. I'm pulling for them. Yeah, I'm I mean, pulling for them. The yeah. Cincinnati I'm Bengals in. <laughs> going into Tennessee, another a powerhouse in the AFC, and Joe Burrow and company winning on a game-winning field goal. McPherson, as time expired, lifts the Bengals past the Titans 19-16. to As Daniel shows me, no pack, no. Whatever, Daniel, your team didn't make the playoffs. But <laughs> my point being, Joe Burrow passing for 348 yards, no touchdown. But, I mean, is Joe, Joe Burrow the future GOAT, maybe? Gotta be. I mean, N- not that far, literally. But, I mean, everyone's going to – it's him, Mahomes – Right, Josh Allen. I mean, he's the first quarterback in NFL history to lead his team to a conference championship as a quarterback as a number one overall pick within his first two seasons. And that's coming off a torn ACL. It is. A, a, a devastating a, yeah, injury. Yeah, bad ACL injury, too. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to really understand how they just put it together like this and are here in the AFC Championship game against a Chiefs team that, you know— they're beatable. We've seen it this season. And I really think that it's going to come down to what Burrow does. Because Burrow, yeah, 348 yards. He needs to score touchdowns next week. And guess what? He can't get sacked nine times. No, Chief, he cannot. Chiefs will take advantage of that, unlike the Tennessee Titans did. Speaking of the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, 220 <laughs> yards, only one touchdown, threw for three picks. Should, should Tennessee explore options at that position? I mean, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to be the answer for a championship, but right now, until you can get that blockbuster quarterback that you think can take you to a championship level, you got to stick with him because otherwise you're going to make your receiver A.J. Brown angry. You're going to make Derrick Henry angry. Julio Jones. I mean, the thing about Julio is I, I don't know how much gas he has left yeah, in the tank. Yeah, you're, you're right there. That, that, that's the thing. And, and in reality, I think he's good enough Obviously, all the Titans fans were calling for his head after that game because it was a bad game. It was a horrendous game for him. And I just think it's too – that'd be too quick-triggered. Yeah. And you, you got to stick with them until you can find another answer. Definitely a question to to consider, though, consider, considering what his career in Tennessee has been up to the playoffs. Um, but Cincinnati, America's team, dropping a, a literal Titan on the road. <laughs> Um, but we'll move ahead to Sunday's matchups. Los Angeles at Tampa Bay, probably the most anticipated, if not second most, behind Buffalo and Kansas City. I, I, well, game of the weekend, especially during the game, the way it panned out with a near another 27-3 game. That was the game of the year until four hours later. Yeah. And, I mean, unreal performance by Tom Brady to get them back in that game. Uh, but Matthew Stafford said, it's my time. I spent all those years in Detroit – I'm not going to come to yeah. L.A. Come and this let this and happen. Yeah. I am not going to blow a 27-3 to lead like Matt Ryan did. He tried. They they did everything they, they could, could to get that game. <laughs> that was rough. I mean, we were watching the, the middle portion of that game in the arena, and then after the Auburn game ended, or no. Where were or no, well, yes. Auburn was basketball. Yes, Auburn women's basketball. Yes, you're right. Um, and as soon as that game was over, we're like, yeah, see ya. Let's, let's, get, let's get home. Um, and that brings up the question, which 
you could do, again, another whole hour on this, Tom Brady's possible retirement. Mm -hmm. He turns 45 in August. That's been his benchmark was he has always said, I want to play till I'm 45. But does he want to go out on top? I mean, last year, the year he probably should have gone out. The thing, the thing about Brady is, I feel like he will announce it before the season. Somebody asked him that question. They said, would you be more partial to doing it in the offseason and just retiring, or would you rather do it right before the season, say, this is my last year, yeah. and do a farewell tour? And he yeah. said, he's like, well, it's not really about the farewell tour for me. Like, yeah. I mean, they're all going to say that. Yeah. But also, but, there comes a point where you realize in the offseason, it's like, I'm committed to this team, but I cannot do it any longer after this. Yeah. I think that's what happened What happened to Peyton Manning. And he he ran out of gas before that season ended. Yeah. He, Peyton Manning did not do any favors to the Broncos for the Super Bowl. No. That was all the defense. Yeah. I think the same thing could happen to Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's level of play is higher than Manning's was at that point. Yeah. But it's still just... It's hard to imagine an NFL without Tom Brady. It's because he's we've been grown playing up with our him. entire lives. We've grown up with him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he retires this year. I think he has a, at least he's one more. He's got to do one year. I mean, he does not look like he's 45 years old. I could see him coming out saying, next year's my last year, but I don't see him coming out saying, I'm done. I also, well, and you also got to think of it in this way. Is he the type of guy to put that kind of pressure on himself? That's a good point. He likes the, he likes the he challenge. Also, I could see him. Well, now nah, that's even more pressuring. I was going to say he could do it right for the playoffs next year, but that would, that's yeah. just really. That's really, worse than before the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless, Los Angeles Rams win 30-27, to going back to the NFC Championship, a place where they have been very familiar in the last decade. And the last game of the divisional round, Buffalo traveling to Kansas City, rematch of last year's AFC Championship, Buffalo looking for that long-awaited revenge. And like Jacob mentioned a minute ago, without a doubt, the game of the year in overtime. Just look at the scoring summary for the last several minutes of the game. It was, let's see, what was this? The win probability looks like a literal EKG machine. I mean, it's, like it's, it's boop, boop, crazy. Boop. Yeah. I mean, let's see, with it was 29-26 Buffalo with 154 remaining in the game. And they scored a touchdown and got a two-point conversion. And then chaos. All hell broke loose. That's what happened. Yeah. Because Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen said, uh-uh. We are not losing, and fortunately, someone had to lose in overtime. And that was Josh Allen because he should have called heads. I mean, that's the, that's the overtime a, rule. That's the only thing he could have changed that, that he could have done better was call heads. Yeah, literally, that's it. Fix and the it, overtime. That's rule. what tells you what Bay's saying. Fix yeah. the rules. It's horrible. Imagine the overtime we get. Like, you know how sick that would be. That'd have been awesome. I mean, not the new college rules. The new college rules like kind of suck. Yeah, but the college rules from two years ago. Or last yeah. year. I mean, uh, yeah, we would have gotten that Texas A&M LSU 72-70 game. That would have been awesome. The game might still be going on if that's what of the course, rules were. Yeah. But, again, somebody had to lose. It was I, Josh Allen. I hate it for him, too, because I, I said it. They were my sleeper pick for the Super Bowl, and you that's it. how they lose. That's how they lose. I hate it. That was the Super Bowl, in my opinion. The funniest thing about this game, the rushing leaders for both teams were both the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... 68 and 69 yards. Nice. And I really think that the Bills and Chiefs are the two best teams in the league right now. Oh, for sure. I mean, the Bengals, I think, are the hottest team. But Bills and Chiefs, like I said, that was the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, all right. Let's do it. Look ahead. Look ahead. What The thing to me, though, is also like... Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I really like Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. but side note, I really wish 
they were not in the AFC Championship. Well, well, here's the selfishly. Good thing. At least we're not going to get Chiefs Bucks. At least we're not. You know, you're right. I, I won't take the Super Bowl for granted, whoever it is in it. But Cincinnati traveling to Kansas City, um, there's been arguments across the Twitter world if this will be anywhere near an SEC environment. But we all know Airhead is a tough environment <laughs> to play in. Does Joe Burrow and Cincinnati walk into Airhead and win, or does their magic run short and the baby goat goes to another Super Bowl? I badly want to say he's going to. Like I want to say Joe Burrow's going in. He's going to do his thing. And I think he thrives in this kind of environment. I really do. And I think the Bengals, just that young team with a lot of swag, CJ Uzama, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, those guys all have confidence. They're all – well, I guess Uzama's not that young. Yeah, I'd say. But, but Chase and Mixon, they're both young, and they've got the confidence, they've got the swag, and Burrow just really says it all. I'm riding with the Bengals. I, I'm I just, want to. I can't trust the offensive line. I'm riding with the Bengals. I can't trust the offensive line. I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm picking the Bengals to cover, though. Seven-point spread? Yeah. Uh, Chiefs are going to win this thing close. I'm a big surviving advance guy. So, uh, let's see. Los Angeles hosting San Francisco NFC Championship. The third time they will meet this season. I mean, incredible. In Los Angeles, does San Francisco walk in there again in the SoFi Stadium and win? Or does Matthew Stafford get his long-awaited Super Bowl appearance? I'll be interested to see if the L.A. Ram fans show up. But I bet they will. They, they did last week as well. And in the week 18, yeah, I'm picking Matthew Stafford. I'm going with the Rams. I've done it every week. I've bet against Jimmy G, and it's failed me. If you watch their – I know it was in Green Bay, and it was literally like zero degrees. Mm-hmm. But if you watch their offense, there's no way you can pick San Francisco. Rams. Rams. Rams will cover this spread, three and a half. Rams by a touchdown. What a Super Bowl it might be. This time next week, we'll recap our picks and a preview of the Super Bowl. On the other side of the break, the last segment of today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on Weagle FM, 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off The Scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL, 91.1 FM, or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you. Last segment of today's show live from the Auburn University Student Center, the Melton Student Center on Auburn University, I should say. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live with a few guests in studio today um, watching us live, so always nice to have some company of course. In here. Yeah, yeah the, the scoreboard is nothing without the audience as well as those who help make it possible. Got Jack Hart, host of Compact Discourse. Noah Willoughby. Noah Willoughby. Looking to be a new Weagle member. And a member of the United States National Guard. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Yes, we are saluting you, Tristan Waters. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Last segment, Jacob. NBA. My Atlanta Hawks are on a nice winning streak, but as far as the state of the NBA, Anthony Davis returned for the Lakers. Yep. Could that be the turning point, or is he just going to go back to the locker room in two games and be injured with a, with a shoulder? Or, it's hard to say he won't, though. I know, because like, it happens every time. At this point, he's good for two or three a year. So it's, <laughs> you really just hold your breath until another one happens. Um, is it the turning point? Possibly. Um, if Russ can continue to step up, if they get play from key guys like Malik Monk, um, I think it's possible. But, again, they're number nine right now. They're still sitting in the play-in picture. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see for me if this was a move that can get them back up within the top five teams in the West. A very tough West to break into right I, now. Yeah, I, I say I think they'll make it up there. I don't. I mean, goodness gracious, if they are in the uh, in the play-in games again, like here's the thing. Here's my thought process: if they're in the play-in game again, 
I don't see them making a run to the championship. Now, they get up there in the top six, top five, or even obviously higher, probably going to be my pick to win the NBA championship. Uh, but yeah. I need to see a lot more from the Lakers for me to be able to pick them. And they have a lot. Um, how do I say this properly? They have a lot of thoughts going on right now about Vogel's future. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously doesn't help the process right now. Um, they are nearing the midpoint of the season. Maybe the all-star break could be a pivotal point for them to turn the tide. Um, so I don't know. And I think another thing to look at, we talked about how strong the West is. We talked about that last week. But other than the Suns, what other team has, other, the Warriors as well, but hear me out when I say has the playoff experience. Recently, the Warriors don't have that. It's been a while since Steph Curry's been in the conference finals. It's been since that Toronto team and when Clay. they lost to Toronto. Yeah. yeah. And Clay got hurt that year. Yeah. That was the last time Clay played until this year. Yeah. It's been a long time. So I could see them having a bit of a I'm not gonna say they're gonna be deer in headlights, but when they get there, it's gonna be different than what it used to be. Oh yeah. I mean, and back then they had KD. I mean, mm-hmm. they had that support. They still have Draymond, but I mean, it's not the same Draymond. Mm-hmm. They're playing with a lot more younger guys who ha- don't have that experience. So I like that you make that point because come playoff time, experience is something that you cannot, you know, train. I mean, that's something you you literally obtain yourself. And looking at the team, uh, looking at the rest of the West, the Suns are the only other team with experience. And you know, they're the only single digit loss team remaining. They're on an eight game, game winning streak, streak. Yeah. nine and one in the last ten. I don't see them making the push back to back years like they did last year. I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see down the stretch. Like you said, eight-game win streak, nine of their last ten. You're going to have to have guys other than Booker step up exactly. to beat the Lakers. Yeah, and well, and assuming they get back to full health, of obviously. Um, but yeah, besides them, the only other team that we've seen seen's roster consistently stay the same is obviously the Jazz, Mavs, and Nuggets, who are four through six right now. And that's and that's the thing; they're four for, through six, and I haven't seen enough from them to say, yeah. They can make a run at the championship. I mean, every year they're right there in that little that little area. So and of course we, we looked over the Grizzlies because they're never there. Never. Yeah. John Morant's gonna be getting his first playoff experience this year. I can't wait for I it. I mean, he he probably might be an all star starter. Absolutely. Maybe. I mean I, I, I'm pushing for that because I think that he's such a dynamic and exciting player. You gotta put him on display. Yeah. You gotta put him on display. And you know, I like the comparison, the NBA NFL comparison, John Morant, Joe Burrow. I mean that, that feels right. That feels right. The only difference is one was number one overall and one was number two overall. Right. And I think that Morant has a chance to really lead Memphis to to a high seed. I don't see them getting past two rounds. Yeah. It, and, again, that comes with their youth. That comes with the inexperience. They haven't been this high up in the West in a long time. Um, so we'll have to watch and see how they do down the stretch of the second half of the season with the All-Star break coming up sooner than we're all expecting but, I mean, looking up to the East, nothing much changing in the East well, besides the fact one. that... Well, Let's well, talk about last night. Yes. Kelly Oubre and the Hornets. Yeah. The Hornets put up an NBA season high, 158 points. Yeah, they did, which, dude, like... Poor I talk, Pacers, poor Pacers. Yeah, first of all, that sucks for them. Second of all, I mean, that's just like a... It's just hard to comprehend that in that amount of time you can score almost 160 points. Well, off the bench, Kelly Oubre made 10 threes. 39 points? 39. Yeah. 10 for 15 for three. He had a plus minus of plus 27. It's pretty good, I'd say. And solid. Yeah. Well, it's not as good as Lonzo Ball's plus 45. Yeah. Well, how many assists did he have? Uh, well, he had 13 assists. It's a triple-double. Yeah. Uh, 10 rebounds. 29 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. Uh, he had tw- a steal, a block. Only four turnovers. I mean, that 
is how you play basketball. Yeah. And that's a team that, like we said, they're the seventh seed right now. They're uh, five games over 500. I mean, that's a team who can make a push for like a three or four seed, or mm-hmm. that's a team who could uh, drop out of the play-in picture in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, the East, though, I feel more confident in a team like Charlotte to rise yeah, up there, yeah. win a round, and then, eh, you know, fizzle yeah, out at yeah, that yeah. point. But it's also the point of looking more at the East, who's the top dog? Because, yeah, you're going to say the Nets and Bucks, obviously. But other than that, you've got the Cavs sitting at the three spot. Yeah, like, what? I think they were only projected to win 30 or 31 games yeah. before the season started. They're already at 30, 30 and wins. I mean, eight and two out of their last 10, and Isaac Okoro's back. I mean, and Isaac's playing well. Watch out. Isaac wasn't playing well before his injury, but he came back and he's, he's really he reset, building up. The offensive game is better. And, you know, I look at the East and it's wide open because I don't trust the Heat, Bulls, or Cavs. And the Nets, Bucks, and Sixers haven't played like you think they should. Yeah. I mean, I still think the Nets are the championship favorite. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm I with Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I like Chicago. Too injured right now for me to say anything. But when they come back, they got to do the same thing they did before they were injured. That's going to do it for today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. If you missed any part, find us wherever you may find your podcast, and we will see you live on Weagle FM 91.1 next Thursday. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.